welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky. Great to be with you. Another great show coming to you today. Always enjoy spending time with Lynn Burling Manuel, the CEO with United Soccer Coaches. She is always available when United Soccer Coaches has new initiatives and they've got a new membership model or structure. It's geared around more online training and an exciting app, exciting technology. She'll kick off the show. Then Karen Hoppe, 21 amazing seasons as the head coach of the Auburn women's soccer team, a longtime member of United Soccer Coaches, and just as important, the D1 NCAA rep for women's soccer for United Soccer Coaches. She breaks down some of the new recruiting legislation. You want to pay attention to that and if you have a way you want to get what she says to coaches and parents as they navigate the recruiting process it's so important and with more on NCAA legislation we're joined by Rob Kehoe the director of college programs for United Soccer Coaches it's a show you don't want to miss starting with Lynn Burling Manuel CEO of United Soccer Coaches after this message from our presenting sponsor Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, and we are so pleased to have Lynn Berling-Manuel, the CEO of United Soccer Coaches, on the program. Lynn, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for having me, Dean. I'm really looking forward to it, as always. Yeah, we always have key issues to discuss, and part of that reason is you're doing so many great things, Lynn, and I mean that sincerely, not being sycophantic. I love everything that you've done, (laughs) and I think uh, a lot of folks out there feel the same way. But uh, you've got a new membership model or structure, so... Let's learn all we can about that, please. Well, this is a, it's been a, a, a long time in coming, actually. We've been working on it for 18 months, and um, we're very excited about it. We've been relatively quiet because there's just been a lot of work going on behind the scenes. And, you know, the thing about United Soccer Coaches, and we want to always keep it in the front of everyone's mind, is, is we're a coaches association. We're, we're a membership-based association. And our members attend the convention, and they're involved in awards, and they, you know, they go use our education. They do many different things within their within that that community. But first and foremost, we're a community of coaches. And one of the things that was very important to us, and continues to be very important, is how do we find ways to add value to being part of this community, to being a member. And that's really what this was about. Um, and over the course of the last 18 months, we really did what we think was a pretty smart thing, um, is we asked, you know, what is important to our members? And we did it in a variety of ways. We did a variety, a series of, of, of surveys of different types, um, really to check and cross-check the information we were getting back. We did focus groups. We did quite a few focus groups at the convention last year, and we did them in some other environments as well. Um, we've done telephone calls and follow-up and just a whole variety of, of tools to be able to assess from our members what would be valuable to them. And what's exciting for us is really we got a very clear direction from our members. 
And it was really first and foremost what would add the most value to being a member of United Soccer Coaches was not eliminating a thing, but adding more online education. Um, it is the trend of today and the trend of the future. Um, coaches are very busy people, and finding ways to continue their education, to have uh, resources and tools they can access quickly, and generally speaking, be able to really take advantage of the Internet in all the educational and resource ways that are possible was what they said to us. So that's exactly what we have done. Um, starting this month, um, our membership model is changing in the sense that online education, which has always been something that was separate and that you paid separate for, is now entirely included inside of the membership. And it is something that um, it is just a start. Our intent is to do lots of cool things going forward in this space to really be able to deliver our membership the kind of value they really require. Coaches are a very special group, and we want to make sure that they are very well taken care of as members of United Soccer Coaches. As you always talk about, uh, it's about service. So how will this allow you to better serve the membership, Lynn? A few exciting pieces from our perspective. Um, is the core, in some ways, is a completely reimagined online resource library. <clears throat> it's in the process of, uh, it's not in the process, it is loaded now and available. It has over a 1,000 tools, resources, lesson plans, activities, um, online tools that you can access immediately. It's designed in such a fashion to be easy to filter and find things. It includes almost 100-plus hours of video content, including um, selected and we think the most important videos from past conventions. Um, and it really is information that we think coaches will be able to find valuable every day. Um, so often with uh, a coach's membership to our association, they take advantage of those benefits from time to time. Uh, when the award season comes up or when the convention comes up or when they're going to take a course or, um, uh, or need to use the insurance, those are all really important benefits, but they are occasional benefits to take advantage of. For coaches, they need online tools and resources and continuing education every day. Um, the additional piece, well, there's a couple, but the, the piece that perhaps I'm the most excited about is we've been selling our online courses, our e-learning courses, separately to our members. That will continue for non-members. They can buy our e-learning courses separately, and we have thousands of people who do that. But we wanted to make sure for our members, they are included in their membership. And today, that's almost $500 worth of retail value of e-learning courses, and we will be adding in new ones throughout the year. And again, each and every one of them will be free or included in our membership. And what sort of brings it all to life for me is a new app that has rolled out. Uh, we're very excited about it. It means you can access all of these tools, all of this education, and frankly, all of the other benefits of a membership. you be able to reach your dashboard, review your um, insurance, be able to do other kinds of things through an app. And it means it's all available on any device that you have. You can take it down to the field. You can have it in your briefcase. You can have it in your backpack. You can take it when you travel. Our coaches are really busy people. Um, our, the largest percentage of our membership are career coaches and part-time coaches. 
And our part-timers may be, I don't want to say they're the busiest of all, but they might be, mm-hmm. because not only do they coach, but they have a day job as well. And uh, we just want to make sure that their membership is something they can take advantage of every single day. All those certainly make sense, particularly the online education part. And we live in this world of immediate uh, satisfaction and immediate reaction. And with that, and let's say you only had X number of characters as if you were tweeting it out, how would you explain to for immediate satisfaction if a coach said, well, wait a second, what was the thought process behind the new membership model? What would be your quick answer to that? The quick answer is it, it really is we want a relationship with every one of our members. And I'm probably going over the 140 character count, <laughs> but we don't want everything to be a transaction. These are members. This is an association of coaches for coaches by coaches. And the reality is is that we want all of the resources to be immediately available to a coach and not something they have to go out and buy separately. Well, and you talked about the app, so obviously that's that technology part of what you're doing, and you did already touch on it as well, but to stay current, you've got to have the right technology, right, Lynn? It's actually the underpinnings and the foundation of this entire process, and that's been going on for a year, and it is that we've gone through a very deep technology transition, that this really is the culmination. Um, We have installed or migrated to an entirely new business system called Salesforce. And for some, they'll be very familiar with that. For most people, they're not going to care that much. Um, it's sort of like the chassis under the hood. Um, but it's, it is a very, very powerful system. Um, we've spent a year um, uh, crafting it to our needs and our purposes. But what it allows us to do is it really allows us to stay in touch with our member at every point in their journey as a member so that we can make sure that they have what they need when they need it Um, and that it is all seamlessly integrated. That was extremely important to us as well. So it's been a big project, and there's still probably going to be a few bumps and a little bit of polishing that has to take place as we go along, as in any technological transition. But one of the things that's so uh, interesting to us about Salesforce is it really it's a very large company that spends a lot of money on continual upgrades, and those all become available to us and our membership. So that's the exciting sort of under-the-hood piece that we are uh, really think is going to make a huge difference for our members. The website won't look so different, but it will operate differently. Being able to take a course or to select something from the online resource center or be able to take advantage of the e-learning projects or uh, courses that we have, each of those will simply be an easier process today than it's ever been before. Folks listening now, Lynn, if they have questions about the new membership model, questions about the app, questions about anything related to what we're talking about today, is there uh, an email that they can send in questions, or is there a way to talk to someone? There is. And, you know, one of the things we did a couple of years ago is create a membership and member services department. And really, uh, they're not just receptionists. They're not just people who answer um, emails, although they do both of those. What they really are are experts on everything we do inside the association because we wanted people to make a single phone call or be able to uh, do a single email and really get what they needed. So email is the best right now, and it's member services at unitedsoccercoaches.org. It is the place for um, a member to get that immediate information that they need. Um, it, in addition to human beings on the phone, we also have a tremendous resource library that allows you to look up articles that are sort of tutorials of how to do something or how to find something. We just wanted to make it very, very convenient. Um, Our operators are open 
uh, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, but we knew that people have 24-hour needs uh, for information. So it's, it's more than just human beings, but human beings are its backbone. So, again, it's member services at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Finally, I can't let you go without at least mentioning uh, Karen Hoppe's coming on, and she's doing great work as the D1 rep for women's D1 soccer for United Soccer Coaches, and she talked about it being a World Cup year and more and more great opportunities for women in soccer. And, you know, with you as the CEO and, and women just doing amazing things right now, I just wanted you to echo those comments an exciting time, you know, and it's, it's still not a perfect time out there. But, you know, United Soccer Coaches, I don't want to say it's unique, but it has been very forward-thinking, um, not just in terms of women, but its entire approach to diversity and inclusion. Um, I like to believe, and I do believe, that I was hired because of the job I was able to do. But the, the greatest thing of all is you're never held back for being a woman or being young or being different or being gay or being handicapped and disabled. Um, we have an advocacy council that includes every single group, member group practically in our association. Um, and because, again, we are an association of coaches by coaches for coaches. And it's the way we want our community to be. And it is an extremely exciting time. Uh, Women's World Cup, everything is building up to such an exciting World Cup. And although I know... There's tremendous desire, and I am no different in seeing the U.S. do incredibly well and take it all in France. Uh, flip side, there is still a piece of me that's really excited about how competitive it is. Um, when we got into the Women's World Cup in 1991, you know, it was almost, there was the U.S. and two or three other countries. Today, everybody is getting really good, and that speaks well for our sport across the globe and it speaks well for women's soccer across the globe. And I am excited about that, as well as how good I hope and believe that we will do this summer. Oh, me too. So well put. Lynn Berling Manual, new membership model, new app, new technology. They've got it all going on. Make sure you can learn more by going to unitedsoccercoaches.org. Lynn Berling Manual, the CEO for United Soccer Coaches. Thanks for kicking off the show, Lynn. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dean. Thanks for having me. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Lynn Berling Manuel, the CEO for United Soccer Coaches, for kicking us off. And as promised, we're joined now by Karen Hoppe, entering her 21st season as the head coach of the Auburn women's soccer team. Who can forget? They're just a couple years removed from making an Elite Eight. They've gone to five consecutive NCAAs and 16 of the last 18 for the Auburn women's soccer team. And for United Soccer Coaches, she is the Division One rep for women as it relates to everything that's going on with the NCAA. We'll also talk to Rob Kehoe, who's the Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches, also working with all of these new rule changes. And with all of that, we welcome Karen Hoppe. Karen, thanks for being with us. 
Hey, Dean, thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, let's have a little fun before we get into all of this. One of my favorite memories on Fox Soccer is uh, calling <laughs> your game at Georgia and that incredible goal from long distance. That yep. was amazing. Remind me who scored that goal? It was Katie Frierson, who later became Katie Friels. She played in the NWSL for quite a few years, and um, now she's married two kids. All right, beautiful. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, and you guys always play great soccer. Congrats on all your success, by the way. You're doing great things there. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, well, let's uh, let's learn a few things here because uh, the game's changing a lot. The rules are changing. Recruiting's changing. So I'll let you start uh, by just asking uh, an open-ended question. What's going on with everything related to the NCAA and some of the rule changes? Well, you know, a couple years ago, the NCAA put together a committee um, try, that was charged with trying to slow down the recruiting process for all sports. Obviously, you know, in Division One women's soccer, we recruit really young. Um, I, I would say most of us don't want to, but that's just kind of the culture right now of our sport. And, you know, we're recruiting freshmen and sophomores, and there's even been some seventh or eighth graders, very few, but a few that have committed. And, and that's not exclusive to women's soccer. It's really become... Uh, culture in a lot of sports. So this NCAA committee was trying to um, figure out how to pass legislation, NCAA legislation, to slow down the rules. And last April, they passed um, some new rules about visits, whereby um, unofficial visits, those are the visits that a prospect would pay for, um, those were not allowed anymore with athletic department staff until September 1 of junior year. And that in some sense, slowed it down, but in, on the other hand, in a lot of cases, it sped it up because prospects were getting nervous, and then they would come to camp, and then they would call the coach after camp, and the coach at that point was allowed to make a verbal offer, and, and they would still commit really early, but then now they're committing with even less information because they can't do a visit. So this year, the, the same committee um, has now implemented phase two, if you will, of these recruiting rule changes. And the most significant one in attempts to slow down the process is to now eliminate um, incoming phone calls to college coaches until June 15th after the prospect's sophomore year. So the hope is we can't talk to them, therefore we can't make an offer to them, so therefore nobody can make a decision now prior to June 15th of their sophomore year. That's the goal. The good and bad of making these changes. <laughs> um, well, I think the intent is really good, and I and as I said, I I would anticipate ninety nine percent of our D one women's coaches would agree. We recruit these kids too early, and and that creates a, a whole host of problems, and we want to slow it down. Um, so that that is certainly good. Um, I think. I'm not sure I'd use the word bad, but the challenge right now will be for the kids that are currently freshmen and sophomores, the kids that are finishing up those two school years that have kind of started the recruiting process, but now all of a sudden there's a major change and how they're going to handle that. And the, the challenge is those kids may make a decision because they feel the pressure of the rule changes and not because they're fully educated on the schools they're interested in and have seen all the schools they're interested in and making an informed decision. So uh, I think that's the big challenge. And the other big challenge is to, is to educate everyone, college coaches, club coaches, and parents and prospects on what these rules really mean and, and how to navigate them um, 
per the NJ rules. Before we get to the club coaches and parents and what your message is to them, what about policing this with coaches? Do you feel like everybody will be on board? Well, um, it's always a challenge with NCAA legislation because it is open to interpretation, and it all depends on how they interpret it. That part's the challenge, and, I, and I'm not even sure it's policing. It's figuring out what's the right way to navigate this. And, and the direction we've received, at least at Auburn, from our compliance office is, like, is listen, you you receive a phone call. If you answer it, you don't know who it is. And the first thing we got to do is ask them what grade they're in. And if they're prior to the June 15th of their sophomore year, we have to quickly say, you know, I'm so sorry due to NCAA legislation, I can't talk to you and hang up. And we've got a time limit on that. And, and that's what most people will need to do um, and and to follow those rules. And, and the tough thing is, is, you know, you're not going to be able to legislate ethics. So there's probably a few coaches out there that just ethically may not do the right thing, but majority of the coaches are great people and they're going to try and abide by those rules. Obviously, coaches are going to be able to use this podcast to get to parents and to coaches. What uh, is your message to parents and coaches as it relates to these new rules? You know, the biggest thing is is to be patient. And for the parents, um, it is to be patient. And at the end of the day, you know, all parents want their child to find the right place for them. And if they actually follow the rules and wait to make a decision, if they make a decision after June 15th of their sophomore year, they're going to be much more informed on the schools they're able to um, visit, and then the um, prospect is going to make a, a much more mature decision because obviously the decision you make going into your junior year about college, you're, you're, you as a prospect are much more prepared to make that decision than you are as a freshman or sophomore. So that that's my message is I think people should wait. The, the second part of the new rules that I did not mention is um, visits are now allowed August 1. Previously, they were September 1. They actually moved up to August 1, which in theory is is better for soccer because we do start games in August. Obviously, the first week or two is preseason, so that's pretty tough. We probably don't want to do visits then, but it does open up the ability for these prospects to um, make visits in our opening weekend of games. So that part's good, too. So that's the message to parents is is to wait, be patient. Um, They... They, if they are patient, I think they will find the right place for their daughter. Um, for the club coaches, the same message, be patient, but also understand, and th- this rule is not followed real well right now, and I think it does need to be policed a little bit better, is it is against the NCAA-led um, rules for a co- college coach to pass a message to a prospect through a club coach. So... And a lot of the club coaches don't know that because it does happen, um, even if it happens indirectly or sometimes directly right now. Um, so the club coaches need to know that that is not permitted. I cannot give tell a club coach to give so-and-so on their team, uh, tell them there's a scholarship offer coming from Auburn. That is not allowed. So educating the club coaches on that and telling them, same thing, just be, be patient and after June 15th. Uh, then the communication is allowed directly from the college coach to the prospect, and that's the best way to have that communication go. Do you expect any bumpy roads with these new regulations, or do you feel <laughs> like it'll be fairly easy? No, I'm certain it'll be bumpy. Um, you know, it's, it's very bumpy right now, and, and just like 
any change, it's difficult. These are really significant changes in the NCAA, and they are for all sports. And and I do anticipate it'll be bumpy. And and for the twenty one class, the the twenty one graduating class, um, you know, they if for those prospects that have not made a decision, it'll definitely be a little bit bumpy because they were able to call us, and all of a sudden on May first, starting on May first, that's when these rules went into effect. We could not receive their phone call anymore, and I told them you just got to wait six weeks because June fifteenth we can receive your phone call again. Um, so that part's bumpy. And then the twenty-two class, some of those prospects have started um, their recruiting process, and all of a sudden now they're cut off for over a year. So I definitely think there's some bumpiness, and um, I think everybody just needs to be patient. And and um, I think you know it'll work itself out. It'll take a while though. Anything else as uh, we approach this upcoming soccer season uh, after the summertime and into the fall, beginning with August, uh, anything else coming out from the NCAA you want uh, our members to be aware of? Well, the the recruiting rules are really the biggest ones. And I, I would say this about the visits. You know, I mentioned the visits now are allowed on August one. Um, prior to a prospect's junior year, and that actually is unofficial visits, and it's also official visits. So um, each prospect is allowed five official visits starting August one um, before their junior year. So if they can, if the prospects are patient, like I recommended, and they take the summer before their junior year to pick their top five schools, they can actually go to those five schools on a paid visit, a visit the school pays for, and then make an informed decision. So that's, it's kind of going back to old school, like when I played in, in um, you know, the 90s, we still did a lot of official visits, and then the, and then the kids would make a decision, and that's something, you know, parents do need to be aware of, is that we can start paying for visits starting August 1. Um, so it, it's, I think, going to be a changing culture for the recruitment of um, Division One women's soccer. Um, but I think long-term it will be a change for the good. And then what about uh, the take for D1 women uh, with the idea of going to a full academic year season? Um, so I know the men have, have really been interested in that. Um, the women, we, we've um Talked about it, obviously, since the men have been talking about it, and our, our women's coaches are not as much in favor, and in large part because they're, our sport administrators aren't in favor. There's too much else going on in the spring from a resource standpoint on campus. So what our women have done is we had a committee led by G. Guerreri at Texas A&M to create a model to expand our season but contain it within the fall semester. And so we have been working towards that. There are some unique challenges, not as big a challenges as the men face with the two-semester model. But our expanded season in the fall, you know, have some challenges like ESPN contracts for College Cup and then College Cup sites. So we, we are working with those respective committees and Rob Keough from United Soccer Coaches and trying to expand, basically expand our season, uh, regular season, about two weeks is the goal, um, just to spread out games a little bit more get a little more rest for our student-athletes. Um, so that's what we've been working on, and we don't have a timeline on it yet because of the challenges, but that is the goal of our coaches. Any final message and thoughts, perhaps even just on the importance that 
D1 women's soccer and really women's soccer in general plays? Well, you know, I think about this upcoming Women's World Cup this summer and, and the majority of the players on that team played Division One women's soccer. And the level of our game, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I've been a head coach 27 years in, in Division One, and, and watching the growth in the level of our game and the quality of our game has just been fascinating to me on, on how far we've come and the level in which we play and, and the ability that Division One women's soccer has to prepare our athletes for that next level. I look at all the players that were drafted and even a lot of players that weren't drafted that do have the ability to play at that next level, and, and it's it's a great um, training ground for the next level, and it's also just a tremendous high level of competition, the resources we have at schools for student-athletes. It's, it's an exciting time to be a Division One student-athlete for sure. And to close, Karen, you've been a long-standing member of United Soccer Coaches. We just had Lynn Burling Manuan talking about some new changes with membership as they continue to grow and try to be all things to all people that care about soccer. Why has this organization meant so much to you? Well, you know, I started really young. I was a super young head coach and, you know, I was assistant coach right out of college. And, and so joining the Coaches Association was tremendous for me um, to grow and learn and be educated um, going to the convention is, was always a highlight where I could watch sessions, and even to this day, you know, one of the most important things as a as an old coach now, so to speak, is is to make sure I know I don't know everything, and I want to grow and learn every year um, and become a better coach. And the United Soccer Coaches has afforded that opportunity, and then they've also been a tremendous advocate for Division One women's soccer. So they they've been a great organization, and I. I love being a part of it, and I love the direction that Lynn is taking us. Well, it's certainly working as you're doing a great job at Auburn, knocking at the door of a college cup. Hopefully you'll get there this year. Karen Hoppe, she heads up D1 Women's Soccer as the rep for United Soccer Coaches. Thanks so much for being on the show, Karen. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And coming up, Rob Kehoe, Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches. Stay with us. Summer is right around the corner, and so are United Soccer Coaches' Summer 2019 Advanced Diplomas. Take advantage of our advanced diploma offerings and challenge yourself in your coaching education. We offer residential or two-weekend formats to fit your schedule needs. Get more information or register for your next course at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash education. Thanks for staying with us here as part of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Lynn Berlin Manuel, the CEO, talking about the new direction for membership, the new app, the new technology. Karen Hoppe, 21-year head coach for the Auburn Tigers. She's had great success there. Of course, she is the D1 rep for women's soccer with United Soccer Coaches and as you heard her talk about, she mentioned the work she's doing with Rob Kehoe, the Director of College Programs, and with her as the perfect setup, here is Rob Kehoe. Rob, thanks for being on the program. Thank you, Dean. Always good to be with you. Yeah, Rob, as you just heard, Karen talking quite a bit, um, almost exclusively about the recruiting changes and the rules and how that's going to work. There's going to be a few bumps in the road along the way, but wanted you to also talk about some other recent legislation decisions in your work with the NCAA. The floor is yours. Well, first of all, appreciate that you had the opportunity to have Karen on relating to the new recruiting legislation because that's something that we've been working on for the last couple of years and 
have through our association connections and having people like Karen on calls communicating with the NCAA and having NCAA representatives at our convention, uh, we've been able to get some things shaped specifically for men's and women's soccer that have been very good, and I know she discussed some of those details. And really, if you look at all of the legislation that pertain to college soccer on the Division One level this year, we had probably about 20 proposals in the legislative cycle. And so we, what we do on those is we have conversations through our conference representatives and then through the conferences we do surveys on the various proposals that come up so that we can get the assessment of the opinion of the coaches' community and sometimes even the student-athletes. And then, in a timely manner, we submit those to the NCAA legislative bodies so that they are aware of our coach association's opinions. And it's interesting to see, again, how things can be shaped through our communication Karen mentioned what's happened with the recruiting rules, and there are other things that have um, been in the cycle this year relating to, for instance, on-campus tryouts where prospective student-athletes could come on campuses and try out, which leads to many different issues. And so we uh, had surveys that were done on this, and the opinion was varied. Uh, but really something like that, rather than having high school students come on and try out, which leads to liability issues and other things, that proposal was defeated. Uh, another proposal that was pretty significant for college soccer on the Division One level was there was a proposal in the legislative cycle that would have allowed more training opportunities for soccer players during the summer. And... Our coaches had a pretty strong and favorable opinion about that, but that proposal got tabled because there are many things that had to be considered on it uh, relating to cost of having keeping kids on campus over the summer. Some schools, uh, their athletic departments offer summer school uh, financial aid for the kids. Others don't. And so looking at many of the variables, the NCAA legislative body decided to table that for more conversation. Uh, another uh, couple things that I think were very interesting, and this relates to also how I think we've influenced a whole change in the NCAA legislative system, and this would relate to a couple proposals that came in on the men's side uh, to declare dead periods at, in recruiting calendars. What a dead period is is that college coaches cannot have any off-campus recruiting opportunities. They can't go for evaluations. They can't go for home visits. So they would have no opportunities to go off-campus. And so a couple of conferences submitted some legislation uh, that related to Division One men's soccer where they wanted to establish some dead periods. But the conferences never discussed these with the national coaching body through our coach association. And so when we were informed of this, we discussed this with our national men's coaches uh, through our conference representatives, and it's like, we don't want these dead periods. We want to make sure that we have access to recruiting during certain periods. And so what we did, we communicated with the conferences and the NCAAs, and one of the conferences decided to withdraw their proposal. The conferences also talked together 
and came up with an idea that would satisfy the coaches to put a dead period around the college cup, which means there's no recruiting activities off your campus, but with the exception for the college cup and the interest of trying to increase attendance at the college cup, if there are recruiting showcases as there are every year at the college cup, the coaches could recruit at those events. So they came up with that compromise and then, uh, put a couple days of what's called quiet period, uh, December 23rd through 25th, which was nice to give a little bit of vacation time. But for the Division I men, they do a lot of recruiting internationally. Uh, when their seasons are over, uh, coaches are traveling. They travel through the holidays. They have people on campus during the holidays that are possible transfers. They have prospective student-athletes coming on campus for on-campus visits, and so the dead period means you have no contact with them at all, but this allows for people to be able to come on campus. So anyway, some really good resolutions uh, that shows the, the work that we do with our coaching community, with the NCAA, with conferences, to know what's going on legislatively, then come up with our opinions, and then make them, and then try to shepherd things through the process so things come out with good outcomes for the sport of soccer. And as I mentioned, uh, the NCAA legislative cycle is now changing to where there's an adjustment of when proposals can be submitted so that it ensures that coach communities and other stakeholders can see the concepts that are going to be discussed and to go into proposal form. But before they go into proposal form, make sure that we know that all the stakeholders have had the opportunity to vet the concepts, and this will be new for the uh, 2019-20 legislative cycle. And then the proposals will be submitted later so that, again, we'll have more efficiency and a better streamlined process for NCAA legislative interaction. Phenomenal breakdown. You're hearing the voice of Rob Kehoe, Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches. We heard... Karen Hoppe's take on how the D1 women's coaches are feeling about a full academic year, and she mentioned that uh, they're probably more on board with expanding the season a couple weeks. Meanwhile, I believe that issue continues to press on with D1 men's coaches. So, Rob, with you here, what's happening regarding the season expansion model initiatives? Well, for all three divisions, I mean, the most popular are the discussions related to the Division One men's two-semester model, championship model that's being called the 21st century model, where they would play championship competition in both semesters and then have the College Cup, NCAA tournament and College Cup in June. Uh, then the women who they have been discussing this at the Division One level of keeping their championship season in the fall <clears throat> but trying to get an expansion of a couple weeks uh, in the fall so that they can decompress, have more rest and recovery time uh, between games, less missed class times. And so working with the NCAA on this, there are a number of issues that have to be dealt with in terms of ESPN contracts and the uh, venues that are scheduled to host events. And I know Karen mentioned some of those things. The other thing that's coming up that is really going to be an important factor in this in 2015, the NCAA Sports Science Institute Institute uh, began a sports science study for the 
sport of soccer to really look into the health and safety, uh, the student-athlete welfare issues that relate to it. And it's a three-year study, and the study has been concluded, and now they're wrapping up the report, and the report is supposed to be finalized within the next couple weeks by the Sports Science Institute. And then it goes to a committee called Committee on Competitive Safeguards, Medical Aspects of Sports. And they meet in June, and they will be reviewing this and having conversations with the NCAA Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Brian Hainline, and then the chair of the CSMAS, uh, Dr. Doug Ramos. And Dr. Ramos came to our convention and presented at all our division meetings. We feel that there's going to be information uh, coming out of these that are probably going to be supportive of both the men's and women's initiatives, looking at the desire to decompress the competition so that we have a better balance of training to competition, uh, the less missed class time, and that there's going to be supportive information probably coming out of the sports science study that's going to influence the discussion relating to these initiatives, whether it be the expansion in the fall or going to the two-semester model. And conferences are discussing that now. Some of the committees in the NCAA, what's called the Student-Athlete Experience Committee, Competition Oversight Committee are in discussions on these, and everything is pretty much on hold until we can see the review and the discussions relating to the sports science study that will be revealed shortly. I mentioned the other divisions because Division Two men and women, Division Three men and women are also looking at initiatives relative to either preseason acclimatization uh, or play, having more playing opportunities in the spring all with the idea of how can we continue to improve the student-athlete experience through the game of soccer in the educational environment. And so much is now going to be influenced, as I mentioned, by the sports science study, at least to inform the conversations further. And so this will affect probably regular seasons. It will probably affect the NCAA tournament. So there's going to be a lot of discussions on the horizon very soon uh, relating to those initiatives. Real quickly, as a follow-up, as uh, we anticipate the release of that sports science study, Common Sense tells you that there will be a deep message about just too much wear and tear in this condensed season, right, Rob? Absolutely, absolutely. And as I mentioned, uh, I, I met with Dr. Hainline uh, recently at a concussion symposium that they were doing at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and we had an opportunity to visit for about 15 minutes, and he said not only what's coming out of the soccer sports science study, but comprehensively and looking at the things that they're dealing with in their sports science institute relating to concussions and all of these things, he said there's probably a lot of things that could be considered for changing in intercollegiate athletics just because this is really the first time that there's really ever been the deep dive into this because the Sports Science Institute is relatively new for the NCAA. And so I think you would be fully accurate on that assumption. All right, I can't wait. And obviously, uh, as the Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches, I can't let you go without at least talking a little bit about college services and registration with United Soccer Coaches, Rob. Yeah, I mean, all the things that we're talking about, Dean, as far as the interaction relating to these initiatives, be they season, be they, be they legislation, be it 
the conversations within our coaching community as far as priorities that they would like to establish at all is channeled through the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. And this is something that each program uh, has an opportunity to participate in. uh, And what they do is they register their program, and it's through this channel that we do our awards and our rankings, uh, all of our lobbying efforts, marketing what we do in terms of initiatives relating to college soccer, all funnels through the uh, the channel of our college services program. And really, I mean, my position is the director of college programs. We have Pat Madden, who is the college programs coordinator, Steve Veal, who works in our office, oversees the awards program. So we have all hands-on, but then all of our departments, our marketing and our education uh, divisions, our membership, we all work internally uh, to try to strengthen the position of the college soccer game and providing the benefits and services to our members through our association. So our college services membership is going to open up soon. We're just launching our whole new website and all of the infrastructure relating to that. Uh, So our college services registration for our new year will open up uh, very quickly. And probably the first thing that will be is all of the teams that have qualified because of their academic performance where their team total GPA is 3.0. So the first thing in the new registration each year is at the end of the second semester, teams uh, begin to submit their nominations for this team academic award that is highly valued because of the emphasis on that priority that the schools have, our coaches have within their programs, student-athletes. And so registration opens and then the nominations come in, and that's one that we uh, we really value and, and promote strongly. So that, that'll be the first thing out of the gate for our college services for the new year, and all hands on deck internally as far as handling the, uh, the college programs. So well said. And if people do have questions and want to reach perhaps you or maybe even Pat, uh, is there an email that they can get a hold of uh, one of you? Yeah, sure. I'm at R. Kehoe, K-E-H-O-E all lowercase, at unitedsoccercoaches.org. And then Pat is P-M-A-D-D-E-N at unitedsoccercoaches.org as well. Rob Kehoe, Director of College Programs, always on point. Thanks so much uh, for being a part of our podcast. Well, thank you, Dean, and so much appreciate the voice that uh, the podcast offers to uh, get the news about the college game out, but as well the whole game that we support and represent to the best of our interest as United Soccer Coaches. I love it. I want to thank uh, Rob Kehoe, Lynn Berling Manuel, and Karen Hoppe, as well as the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, especially Michael Knipper and Sean Chevron, and of course, all of our members. We'll be back here, same time, same channel, in two weeks for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think TeamSnap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that i found.